It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Call into the show 405-362-7128. So on today's show, we're going to dive into the NBA set to allow fans back in some markets during this restart. We're also going to give you the entire off-season preview for your Oklahoma City Thunder, as we're not really sure right now when transactions will start, when we can expect these deals to fly off the board. So we want to make sure that you're as prepared as possible as you head into your weekend of what could be a very exciting weekend around the NBA. So I, I want to start, though, with the NBA allowing fans. Now, as the time that I am recording this, there is no official agreement, not even an agreement to play on December 22nd, but that has been widely uh, speculated and assumed this entire week. We've covered that this entire week on Locked on Thunder. So if you want more in-depth coverage on the specific restart, go back and listen to yesterday's show and the day's previous show, because uh, this show is Locked on Thunder, your only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder and the NBA. So we dive in now to the NBA's decision to try to allow fans this year, and they're going to leave it up to local government. And that's what the NFL has done as well. And what that means for the Thunder we're going to have fans in the stands in Oklahoma. I mean, you've seen the way that this government, for better or worse, in Oklahoma has treated the coronavirus. And we were the, one of the first states to open up, and we've stayed open. And I don't think that Governor Stitt or anyone will have a problem agreeing to uh, allow the Thunder to have a capacity crowd of 20 to 50%, which is what the NBA is aiming for. In fact, I would argue, just given the trends, and again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but given the trends of what the state has done, uh, it's probably going to be as close to the max capacity the NBA will allow as possible here in Oklahoma City. And the protocols uh, could be such as masks and social distancing and even COVID tests. Uh, I'm not sure how the COVID tests would work. Uh, I'm not sure if there's some sort of test you can have to where you can get the you can get the uh, information back before you even walk in the door. Uh, I'm just not sure about all that, but that could be possible protocols. Uh, Oklahoma surely will have fans in the stands. Uh, you've seen if you live here what our government has done and how they've treated this situation. They're going to have fans, and so it's just a matter of of if this gets approved by the by the board of governors and by the players and by everyone involved, and then you move on to Kevin Stitt. But if the NBA itself as an entity, if the NBA as a league, if they officially approve allowing fans in the stands and leave it up to the government, 
our government in Oklahoma is going to let you go to games this year. Now, it's unclear if the league will allow fans for December and the December 22nd start, or if they'll try to push that back uh, further into the 72-game slate. But either way, when it's possible, Oklahoma will do it. So if you want to go to a game, uh, go ahead and have fun and have at it. And I want to know from you on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles, would you go to a Thunder game if you were allowed to this season? Or would you stay at home? Or are you undecided? Do you just not have enough information yet to know if you would go to a game this season? Now, from a big picture standpoint, I do wonder if, and again, this is just big picture, this is just league-wide, I do wonder if the Raptors still waiting on a home market you know, for this season, it seems unlikely that they're going to be allowed to play in, in Toronto, especially starting in December. I, I do wonder if Kansas City becomes a more appealing destination. Because Kansas City allows fans at Chiefs games, so the government is clearly open to allowing fans at sporting events. And if you're the league, this is another this is another way to make money. And, and you're clearly doing this as a league, allowing fans for the money. So why not put the Raptors in a in a place where you know pretty firmly you're going to have fans, you're going to have revenue coming in. Whereas if you put them in New York. You know, they, they might not allow fans in the stands in New York. While it would be better for the basketball side of things and be better for the players, uh, travel-wise, if you're playing an Eastern-only schedule, it would be in New York, um, you, you would lose that revenue. So I'm interested to see what happens now with the Raptors. Do they put them in a, in a state in which the government will allow fans? Because that could be a deciding factor in all of this. And then it comes down to, is this a good idea? Is this a good idea for the NBA? Now, I am not a healthcare professional. I, am, I don't play one on TV. I'm not a doctor. I am not a, a virus expert. But to me, from the outside looking in, this does not seem like a good idea. I've said it all along that the NBA and the NHL and sports that play inside will be the last sports to be sold out because of just what we've been told about this virus in an enclosed area. I feel pretty confident that COVID is not being spread from the players and the fans at NFL stadiums or at the World Series and the NLCS and the MLB where you saw fans at the ballpark in Arlington, I feel pretty confident that the, that the COVID cases you have in the NFL and that you had in, in, at the Baseball World Series was not due to the fans being there. The fans did not give it to the players. I don't think that the players give it to the fans. But I'm confident in that for those two stadiums, for those two sports and, and the stadiums they play in. Now you shift that into an enclosed arena, most of which are pretty compact, especially if, they're, if you're playing in an older arena. I now am less confident that the possibility does not exist where a fan can give it to a player or a player can give it to a fan. That becomes more dangerous to me for all parties involved, including the players on the floor. More specifically, the players on the floor. So to me, I wouldn't do this. And to me, this doesn't seem like a good idea. However, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's if it's any more dangerous to have people in the stands in the NFL versus at the Chesapeake Energy Arena. You know, you just take an Arrowhead, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City versus Chesapeake. What is the spread for each place? I don't know if it's any different. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you that. And it comes down to the fact that I trust the NBA. And maybe that makes me a sheep, but 
the NBA, unlike any other league, has done the very best of any professional sport to avoid getting a black eye, to avoid PR missteps. Look, baseball hits themselves in the face every chance they get. From having a player play in the World Series with coronavirus to on election night, you're announcing your Gold Glove Awards. They never had anything go right this year in baseball, PR-wise. The NBA has been the total opposite. And they have been for a long time. The NBA has often been praised as the progressive league, as the league that is just so smart and innovative. And if they see a pathway to have fans, then I trust it'll be done in good faith and I trust that it'll be done safely. So I'm putting the trust in the NBA. So if they th- if they think they can have fans there with no complication, I believe them. But from the outside looking in, as someone who's not an expert, I don't think that this is apples to apples when you compare and say, well, the NFL's doing it. Baseball did it. They left it up to the government. The government said come in. I don't think it's apples to apples whenever you go from playing in an outdoor stadium or a, or a huge stadium with a retractable roof versus Chesapeake Energy Arena or anywhere else around the NBA. I think you up the level of difficulty there in terms of containing the spread, and you shrink the space between the players themselves and the, and the fans. A lot of different factors. But the NBA thinks I can do it, so credit to them. I will say I wonder what the players think about this, and I know that the players do get half of the basketball-related income. I, I get that. But this entire time, we've all worked under the assumption of, okay, we have to start this season in December due to the loss of revenue without fans. And, and I just want to know behind the scenes, because you know, we have no way of knowing this, were, were we interpreting that wrong in the sense of the owners had always been, been transparent with the players and said, look, we're still going to allow some fans, but it won't be enough to not lose us a ton of revenue. I, I just wonder if the fans thing was always on the table or if that got brought up after it was pretty clear the players are going to agree to the December 22nd start date. Again, not a huge deal in my opinion, but it's just something I was curious about. Did the players know this was coming? But again, at the end of the day, I put my faith in the league, but I do want to hear from you on Twitter. What do you think? Would you go to a Thunder game this year if you were given the opportunity? Or would you absolutely not go? Or you just don't know yet. You don't have enough information. Let me know on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And coming up, I want to get you set for this offseason because it's pretty clear from the time you wake up on Friday to the time you go to bed, we're going to have an official agreement and we're going to have an official offseason beginning. And it's unclear when all the transactions will go down. So I want to get you set for all of that. You're prepared for anything after this podcast because I'm going to go over with you the trade candidates on this team who could be traded, who should be traded. I'm also going to break down what player options and team options uh, each contract has, the dead money the Thunder have on the books, the impending free agents the Thunder are going to lose or possibly lose, the trade exceptions, I'm going to break it all down, the building block pieces they have left, and the draft picks, I'll break it all down coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Go. Built Go is a phenomenal one and a half ounce packet, and in that packet is the world's best protein gel, the absolute best, because it helps you break through your mental or physical wall and get you going 
through the day. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket for getting through the day. It's just that simple. Get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They have three delicious flavors. That is peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, and collagen protein is fast-absorbing, so then it gets into your system fast, plus it is easy on your stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Built Go then kicks into action and gets me going strong. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. So visit BuiltGo.com. Use our promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back on Locked on Thunder, the only daily podcast about your Oklahoma City Thunder. I am Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. The trade candidates for this Thunder team as we begin the offseason preview to get you set for the offseason, which could start as soon as tonight. So the trade candidates for this team, you have Chris Paul, who now is looking as though he is going to be a, a good asset for you. This time a year ago, Chris Paul was viewed as a negative contract. He was viewed as somebody who, if Sam Presti wanted to trade, he would have to attach one of those thousands and thousands of future first round picks. But instead... It looks like Chris Paul will net you back something of substance in the trade market. Interesting note from Zach Lowe. The Bucks have not been in conversations with Chris Paul and with the Thunder to trade for Chris Paul, which is a team that, that many people speculated that could be in play. And I've said since day one, look, the fit there just doesn't make sense. The trade package would be weird. The trade package would look clunky and there wouldn't be much to offer that would make Oklahoma City happy. I mean, you go down the list in Milwaukee, they don't even have someone who reasonably they'd give up that you would look at and go, okay, that's better than Kevin Knox. That's how bad it is in Milwaukee. You're not doing this deal for Eric Bledsoe. And then you move on from Chris Paul, who will have suitors from the Knicks and the Lakers and and just a ton of teams out there. And the big problem for Chris Paul, of course, will be matching that contract uh, and figuring out what teams want to do there. Uh, but then you have Delino Gallinari, who is projected by 
John Hollinger to make about $19 million this year. Problem is, no contender has money besides Miami. Miami tried to trade for Gallinari this trade deadline period, and the trade fell through after being agreed upon by Sam Presti because Gallinari could not find a contract with Miami that Miami would pay because Miami wants to stay in play for a big fish in the next 2021 free agency class. So that seems like it's it's a team that would be out on Gallinari as they want to keep their books clean. And Gallinari wants a little bit more protection than just a one-year deal, you would imagine. He also has said, Gallinari has, that he wants to go to a contending team and win a ring because he's not 20 years old anymore. So if he wants to get to a contending team and contending teams do not have money, how can that happen? It's via a sign-and-trade. And Zach Lowe said there's going to be a lot of interest in a sign-and-trade with Gallinari and the Thunder, and that the Thunder could even get a first-round pick out of the ordeal. And if they could get something that valuable for a sign-and-trade of Gallinari, then just add it to the list as another strike against the Clippers. Just keep adding it to the list against the Clippers, because that that would be amazing. If you get a first-round pick for a sign-and-trade of Gallinari, that has to be the best outcome you could possibly ask for. And then you move on now to Dennis Schroeder. And Dennis Schroeder's value will never be higher. Not only is he an expiring deal, which always, always, always gives you more value at the NBA level, especially the year before in a a massive free agency class in 2021. Not only is that the case, not only did the Thunder have pretty clean bucks for the next couple of years and no aspirations of, of signing a free agent, therefore they can take back money and feel comfortable taking back a little bit of money in the next couple of years while everyone else wants to jump into the fray for a Giannis or for a a big-time free agent. But Dennis Schroeder just had the best year of his career. Everyone with with a brain understands that he was the sixth man of the year. Everyone understands that he was the most impactful bench player, and he was a part of one of the most effective lineups in basketball. He has shown you in his time in Oklahoma City, he can play alongside Russell Westbrook. He can play alongside Chris Paul. He does not have to be the ball-dominant guard, but he can also do that for you and ignite your bench unit. Dennis's value will never get higher than right now. And Zach Lowe, again, in his, in his offseason preview, says he's hearing that teams would give up a mid-first-round pick for him. Once again, that would be a fantastic start to this rebuild. And then you move on to the last trade candidate, which is Steven Adams. And I'm not sure how much of a candidate he is. For many different reasons. The only real plus for Adams in the trade market is that he's an expiring deal. Now, it's a big payday this year, but he is an expiring deal. And if you have a massive contract that lingers into 2021 and 2022, when you're trying to sign these key free agents next year, maybe you do want to make a swap and get an expiring deal in Steven Adams. On the flip side of that, though, it's a big payday for one year for the Thunder, but he could be the next Thunder Lifer. He could be the next Nick Collison. He will be extremely cheap next year as there's not a true fit for him in the modern NBA. And you will see his minutes decrease and decrease and decrease throughout the rest of this time and throughout the rest of his career as he does not fit the traditional mold of a center anymore and the traditional mold of a modern NBA player. And it will honestly be good for him personally to see his minutes decrease as you will not see his body break down as much because he's playing less minutes, and so he can be more effective in the spurts you do use him in. So ultimately, I do not think Adams gets traded. Uh, I think that you can see Dennis be traded. You can see absolutely Gallinari gets traded, and and probably absolutely Chris Paul gets traded. But I I don't see Adams get traded because I think that he is just the next Nick Collison. He is this upcoming generation's Nick Collison. Eventually, he fades to the end of the bench. 
the next generation of Thunder fans will not understand why it's such a big deal, why he is such a big deal, but every one of us who have watched his whole career understand the impact he's had on this organization. So I think that he's a Thunder lifer. He's going to be very cheap for next year on throughout the rest of his career, and that will be that. Now, we move on to the options for both the players and the team. And this is the contract years these guys are in. Mike Muscala has a $2.2 million player option. And to me, that's pretty interesting because I don't know if he'll accept it or decline it because, look, in a pandemic year, $2.2 million is a lot of money for a guy like Mike Muscala. So that's why I think that he'll accept it. But he is a, a nice little floor spacer, a nice little three-point shooter, and maybe you see him decline it to go latch on to a contender. But it's really hard to turn down $2.2 million. And if you are going to get more minutes on a rebuilding team, which he will, and he'll get more minutes this year than he did last year, and you can knock down some shots and prove your worth, you can get flipped at the deadline for that contender while still getting your $2.2 million. Hamadou Diallo has a $1.6 million team option. You pick that up all the time for the Thunder. This is a, a minimum contract, a league minimum deal uh, for a guy that's 21 and has uh, some upside, has a little bit of a uh, of a ceiling left to reach, I think, for Diallo. And why not take a flyer on him in a year you're trying to lose and allow him to grow and allow him to see what he can do? Slim to no chance that he'll be a part of this core and a part of this rebuild that that gets you through the hump and gets you back to the postseason. He won't be a part of that core. Slim to no chance. But if there's even a fraction of a percent that he can be a part of that core, you bring him back just for the hell of it as you try to tank. Abdul Nader, $1.7 $1.7 million team option. I think they picked that up as well. He still has some upside as a shooter. I think that he's easily easily going to be flippable at the deadline if he does perform as a shooter this year around Shea dishing out to him. I think that you, you bring him back. And then Deontay Burton, $1.6 million team option. I think that the team should decline this one because you want to open a roster spot and you absolutely know that, that Burton is not an NBA player. You just do. Now with Diallo... He's probably not an NBA player, but he did have a good stretch there in December that that gives Thunder's fans some hopes and should give the organization some hope uh, that that he can be a role player at least uh, moving forward in the NBA. Well, again, it's a slim to no chance. He still has a chance with Diallo. There's w- with Burton. There's no chance with Diallo. There is, and that's why you saw Diallo playing in the bubble. That's why you saw Diallo playing in the postseason, even as we all ripped their hair out. But they believe in Diallo. They don't believe in Burton. They shouldn't believe in Burton decline that team option and get an open roster spot as you bring in rookies, as you make trades, as you try to take flyers on young talent. Now, what kind of dead money are the Thunder looking at this season? Well, of course, Kyle Singler is due $999,000 in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Patrick Patterson is owed $737,000 in 2022, and that is all the dead money that's on the books. So after this year, it'll be back to only Kyle Singler for two more years. How about that? Now, the free agents for the Oklahoma City Thunder and the trade exceptions are coming up after the break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And we are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I. 
L-E-S. We're going to continue the offseason preview as we move in now to the free agents for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who is not for sure going to be back next year? We just start with Gallinari, who we talked about before. You would put him in a 99% category of he's leaving uh, via sign-and-trade and and 100% category that he is leaving and not going to be back on this team next year. So he's gone, I think. You have lost Kevin Hervey overseas to Russia officially. You have lost Devin Hall overseas to Germany officially. And so now you have two more remaining free agents, and that is Nerlens Noel and Andre Robertson. Uh, Let's start with Noel. I I think that Noel is what he is at this point as a player. He is someone who you can bring at the the league minimum or, or a little bit above the minimum and get a backup center, a quality backup center for you. And I don't think that he wants to spend that time in Oklahoma City. He knows he's a backup center wherever he goes. He knows that the money will be pretty comparable wherever he goes. So you might as well go to a team that gives you the best chance to win. Maybe that's Houston. Maybe that is a a team like that. But it's not in Oklahoma City on a team that's trying to tank. I don't think he's back next year. Now, maybe he just loves this organization. But I, I just don't see that being the case. I think that he's gone. And then you go to Andre Robertson. And this all comes down to his body. And I don't think that there's a market for him outside of Oklahoma City. I think that if he plays in the NBA next year, it'll be with Oklahoma City. I think that for the Thunder, you want him back on the minimum contract to prove himself. One-year deal, minimum contract, play as much as you can, prove yourself, and then we'll work from there. And for Andre, do you want to go through that again? Do you want to go through the process of getting ready to play in the NBA and and to try to prove yourself? But I I would predict Andre's back on a one-year deal worth peanuts on the dollar. And we'll see what happens. But that's where I have the free agency going. Uh, And then the building blocks for this team. Look, you have the 25th overall pick. You have one second-round pick as it stands right now. You have Shea, Dort, Baisley. You're hoping that you'll have, after the draft, Shea, Dort, Baisley, and the 25th overall pick, or whoever you draft in the first round. That's not a lot. That's a part of your for-sure, forever core. I think you only have three. You have Shea, you have Dort, you have Baisley, and maybe I'm overvaluing what we saw in the bubble from Baisley, but, but I do think Baisley is going to be a building block piece for you. I think that Dort is electric and it's going to be a nice piece for you moving forward whenever you want to contend again, especially with that defense. So you look at this and, and you say, okay, hit on whatever first-round pick you have, either if that's at 25 or if you move up or whatever the case may be, try to hit on this draft pick with at least a role player. That should be the Thunder's goal. You don't need a superstar. You don't need an all-star. Just get someone who can contribute. Get someone who can play winning basketball. And then the big money maker has to be, and this is why you're tanking, it has to be 2021. The draft class of 2021 is full, is filled with studs. It is, it is full of guys you look at and say has all-star and even superstar potential. Cade Cunningham at the top of that list who starts his college season on the 25th of November for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So it's clear on this team there's not a ton of unmovable assets or, un, or untradeable assets uh, or untouchable assets. You're hoping to add that in the next draft class. So what should be the mindset this offseason? As you wait out the start date of December 22nd, what should the Thunder go into this offseason look like? What would be a win for the Thunder? A win for the Thunder to me would be drafting a player in this draft that you view as a contributor, number one, acquiring a future asset, whether that is a first-round pick in 2020 or a first-round pick in the future, get something for the future, and then take a flyer on a young player. And that could mean a lot of different things, but you know, I'm more so talking about a guy like in a trade, you get back a Michael Bridges, a Kevin Knox, some sort of young prospect who you view as somebody with a change of scenery, can have untapped potential, and can be really good for you. 
And of course, shooting for the moon would be like Matisse Thibel. But get back a prospect that's been in the NBA. Get back a future prospect, whether that's the 2020 class or beyond. And then hit on one pick in this draft class and look at that guy and say, okay, we've got a contributor for when we want to contend again. That would be a massive success for the Oklahoma City Thunder offseason. And as one more note in this offseason preview, still no coach. You expect that to happen before the draft. And I still expect it to be Mark Degnog, the former Oklahoma City Blue coach, and he was on the Billy Donovan staff this past season in the, at the NBA level. Great with young players, so he is awesome there uh, as you're trying to rebuild. So, so this offseason should be about how do you tank? And I will say, just because I'm saying the Thunder will tank, just because you're hearing it all over the NBA right now, just because the Thunder probably will make the, the subsequent moves of a tanking team. Do not tune out on the Thunder. This will be a tanking team for sure. They want to get high enough in the the upcoming draft class where they have a 14% chance heading into the lottery of getting Cade Cunningham, of getting that top overall pick next year. They want to do that. But I will say, this is not the process Sixers. This is not a team that's going to bottom out in the worst ways possible. This will still be a fun team to watch. You want to watch Shea. Shea's going to be fun to watch. Baisley will be fun to watch. Dort will be fun to watch. However many young guys you get this offseason via the draft and via trade, they'll be fun to watch also. This will be a competitive losing team. And you can watch them grow up before your eyes before they become the contenders we all expect them to be. And at the end of the day, you have the best GM in this sport, you have the best executive in this sport, on your side in Sam Presti. So we'll see what happens. But that is your offseason preview. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. This is Locked on Thunder. This is your only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.